Today's interview is with Kelly Brown, and Kelly has a seat on what I call my board of directors. So essentially, I have a group of human beings that I trust to you know, go to when I'm like struggling with something or I need to bounce an idea off who see me in my highest potential and remind me of my awesomeness. And they're also just there to hold space. I provide this to other people in my life and Kel is one of the people that provides it to me. I'm really excited to share this conversation. Kel's history is as an actor and these days she's a coach and guide, much like myself. And we just get along like a house on fire. We have very similar values. We have very similar ways we show up in the world. And we will be starting a podcast together. Oh, my God, did I just announce that? Sorry, Cal. (laughs) I did. It'll be coming out in uh, I don't know when, but soon. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, this is an amazing conversation about staying present to your life. And we explore how, in some ways, we're all performing. If this is your first time here, please hit subscribe and stick around. There's an amazing back catalogue of incredible humans and more exciting shows on the way. Without further ado, let me introduce you to the divine Miss Kelly Brown. Creativity, self-expression and feeling. Creativity, self-expression, and feelings. Make some noise, 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 make some noise. Not only it's a podcast. Okay, yet to hear it. Hi, I'm Kelly. I'm Kelly Clarity. I'm a clarity coach and soul stimulator. I support women to connect, clarify, articulate and embrace all of who they are and to step into their fullness. <sighs> and Kel and I go like way back. <laughs> so Kel is actually, if you are a Philosophies listener as well, you'll know that Kel is on what I would call my board of directors. So the people entrusted in my life to be almost like well, really help guide me back to me. That's really their role, <laughs> amongst other totally. things, being friends and all that kind of jazz. And um, and I wanted to have a conversation with Cal for the longest time because she has such innate wisdom um, that I know is going to be oh, amazing. No, <laughs> um, but also, like, I, I was kind of like, what are we going to talk about today? And Kel used to be an actress or an actor, depending on, like, I guess what you, whether you want to put a vagina on your title. Um, yeah. And, and so I thought what would be really cool to explore today is the idea of how often the hardest role as an actor, as a human, we can ever play is actually just being ourselves. And this is something that for me has been the story of my life, just figuring out who the fuck I am and how I want to show up in the world and and express myself, right? Hence, this podcast is like my chosen form of expression. So I thought, Cal, do you want to start like back yeah. in the acting days you know, mm-hmm. tell me about your childhood when, or well, you don't have to get all like, we're not on the couch here. This isn't a necessarily, <laughs> it can be a therapy session, but it, it's not necessarily. Um, like, you know, like. How much time we've yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and how vulnerable do you want to get? Um, yeah. yeah, but like, like, so acting. Talk to me about acting. Yes. 
Yes, yes. You know, there's something you said there which was so beautiful um, and I really feel privileged being on your board of directors and having you trust in life in and me being a part of that because there was something you said about coming back to self and I isn't it funny that we live in this skin and we live in this body but it gets so murky, our sense of self, and so... Well, started dancing when I was three, so started performing at the age of three, tap, jazz and ballet, and then I moved into my first professional gig, paid gig at six years old, and it continued there. I did professional work mostly in television and film, um, some theatre. I played Little Cossette in Les Miserables um, for a year when I was nine. So I was in a professional show, eight shows a week. We did swap with another little child. It wasn't child labour. <laughs> um, and... Um, but it was my life and it was also my parents' life. I came from a from an acting background, both my folks. My mum was on the West End and my dad was quite well known in Australia in television. And so, look, they weren't um, whipping me with chains to get into the work, but it was kind of part of the way we all expressed ourselves. So it's interesting that we talk about expression because I think I grew up feeling like this was what made me lovable. This is what, how I could be valuable in the world. And this is how I'm loved when I show up like this. And look, I didn't articulate that probably until my 20s when I had a nervous breakdown, but I realized that I continued doing this, yes, because it was something I enjoyed, but more so because I really saw the joy it gave others. And that made me feel valuable and lovable. So I think that sense of self got tied in so um, and weaved in so tightly with my value that when I wasn't performing and when I started to realise, especially after graduating drama school, I was told when I went into drama school, you don't need this, you've got a professional career, what are you doing? What I really wanted was a piece of paper, a Bachelor of Arts. I want to be the first person in my family to study at a university and come out with a, a degree. And um, my agent and everyone at the time were like, you, you, you're kissing your career goodbye. And they actually were right because once I got out of drama school, there was sort of like a, where have you been? Um, why did you feel like you needed to do that? And so there was kind of like a trying to work my way back up the ladder and revalidate myself. And that's how I felt from the age of 22 to about 27 was constantly validating myself, constantly re um, valuing myself, criticizing myself. So I just lived in that really deep sense of I'm not enough. Yes. And okay, so this brings up something really poignant for me. And uh, as a voiceover artist um, or yeah. a voice actor, I guess, it's similar oh. but different. So, um, but the, the thread through there is the rejection piece, right? Like as a as an actor, you your performance, and it's not even really about your performance, but w- what ends up happening is you as a human is either adored and accepted by people or rejected and put down. And yes. that is a really hard place to to live. Yeah, yeah to live, <laughs> right? It, it really is because yeah. you really don't have any sense beyond what your performance is like as to Correct. who you are. Yeah, and who am I who am I performing to be? Like what what you're doing is actually looking outside of yourself and saying what does the How do I need to mold you? myself for the yeah. a- adoration of others? Into. Yeah. <laughs> What will gain me applause here? 
you know, and it just becomes this way of being that you're so much so looking for that validation and looking for that peace outside of you that you, the, the light within is so dimmed and the, um, the deep sense of self outside of being in front of people and being valued is like those quiet moments. They become anxious mm, moments because totally it's like, I, I don't know how to be in this space. Because I don't really know who um, I am because I'm just constantly playing other people. Yeah, and if no one's watching, what's the point? You know, you start to go into that, well, if no one's watching, what, 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 what am I actually doing? When actually that's the moments that um, support you to actually be fully present when people are watching. Because I've found then my coaching journey, when I stepped away from, I met my partner who I'm now married to and have two children and I was still crazily chasing um, notoriety, I guess. And this time you know, I'd moved to the UK, was acting in the UK, then I'd moved to Canada with him and I was still on that, you know, flying to Hollywood for an audition and all this stuff. And he looked at me one day and he said, it doesn't look fun. It doesn't look like it's, it's play, isn't it? Like you're auditioning for a play. Where's the playfulness? And it kind of hit my soul. I was like, where is the joy here? I, I don't feel it. So it made me step completely away um, and go and work with a life coach, which I'd never done before. Therapy wasn't really something that I, um, I don't know, I'd never really, I felt like acting was just this one big therapy in a sense. Um, which just had no container and no, what I realised, no sacredness around it at all. We, they sent us to a lot of places, especially in drama school, and there was no container for that. Um, and I guess that's how I felt. I felt like my container was empty. Um, and from working with a coach, I realised that I had been rejecting myself. So sitting within the rejection of others, I'd actually been denying and rejecting my, my value and myself and my wholeness. So where to from there when you have lived a life where you know nothing else other than acting and performing, like how, I'm just getting goosebumps right now, like how, how do you, how do you even start to figure out who you are and what you want? And like, I mean, who are you at this point? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a beautiful question, Carly. It's interesting, you know, and it's a it's, it's always whenever I put myself in a new space or stretch to a new environment, I always find myself falling back into that pattern of performance. And so I sit there and I see myself being something more than I am. The mediocrity and of Cal. <laughs> totally, absolutely. And forcing some sort of sense of self on others, you know. And not it's not the piece for me, you will like me. It's more like... Um, I don't care if people like me or not. It's more like I want them to know I know stuff or something, Mm, you know, like there's sort of like a, a, you know, I've got important stuff to say here. I can take up space. And that's the performance. Um, Like listen to my monologue because there's so much wisdom in here, you know. (laughs) Um, And whether you like it or not, I don't care that you'll listen. Um, because I've done three years of drama school and Shakespeare's in my bones, you know, whatever it is. And so it's like, it's the taking up space piece for me, which I think funnily enough has come from utero. I'm a twin and I shared the the womb. Um, and so when I realize that I'm thrusting myself upon space, 
that's when I note that I'm going back into that um, validating rejection performance Yeah, piece. like almost like an energetic jazz hands. <laughs> totally, or like an energetic hard-on, you know, <laughs> penetrating the space. I will get you to have an <laughs> orgasm, you know, but it's just like actually my softness can be just as fun. Um, and so, yeah, how, what what now? I think for me it's been... Um, it had, I had to step away completely. I had to re, um, invent myself. And, and one, my coach at the time said, reputation should never live up to your reputation because that's created by somebody else. You get to create your rep- reputation over and over and over again. You can rebirth, you can recreate, you can write a new script. You can put a comma where a comma's never been before. So that was, for me and continues to be my practice of trusting moving from moving from needing to be something or needing to know something to just trusting what's here and that's a practice because I don't have it all sorted and I don't have all my shit together and I still have self-doubt and I still have value issues and it's it's all still the same stuff I'm just enjoying it more and being lighter upon myself and allowing the the not knowing and the um, the pauses. Yeah, something someone said recently: confidence is not a prerequisite; it's a byproduct. Mm. And so, I don't need to come up as all confident. I need to just be present with what is, and then be willing to learn from that. That is so true. And it, it, you just took me back in time about eighteen months ago. I was at a speaker's workshop. And learning how to speak publicly because I had like a few um, public speaking gigs that were kind of big and I wanted to make sure that I was doing it right, you know. And so I went to this public speaking um, training weekend and it really, there was, there was one particular exercise where we, where they just threw stuff at us and we had to like keep telling our story, but then like, you know, act as if we were crying or having an orgasm or whatever. And for me, it just felt like I was just so overwhelmed because I, you know, stimulus, too much stimulus at me. It's like, oh my God. And there was this moment where, and I was trying to get it right. I was trying to get everything right, trying to get the crying right, trying to get the, and none of it was authentic because none of it, I was actually present to none of it. It was just like in my head. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And there was this moment where I just surrendered to like the embarrassment of not having any fucking idea of what was going on. And, um, and I felt like it was a shit show. And then at the end, everyone stood up and started clapping, you know, and they were like, oh my God, that was so amazing. And I was like, what? I just lost my shit. How is that so amazing? But the people could feel the presence, you know, they could feel that I had let go of like, let all abandon go and just like, you know, go all in on something. And it's so rare for us, even as actors to be able to really do that, you know, really go there and be present in, in, um, in a, a performance. And that brings me to a question around the performance piece. Like now, now, cause I want to explore, I do want to explore like this moving from an actor into a coach and, um, you know, and all that kind of, all of that journey. But I guess my question for you first is, can you find enjoyment in performance now? And what does performance even mean to you now? Yeah, it's a really good question. I 
feel and sense now that being being the performer is not uh, it's not healthy for me that space. So I sense as in like an actor, a performer, um, because I've realized a sense of belonging is really important for me to thrive. And so within that sense and industry and energy of that industry, I don't belong. <laughs> there's there's a, um, a willingness to a willingness to not buy into a game, someone else's game anymore. And so, no, I think classic performing, it's not for me anymore. It's like sort of someone saying, I don't know, they had a professional career playing football and then they want to go play amateur football, amateur football or whatever, but the the actual team dynamics and, and the actual what's required of you for the game, they don't enjoy anymore. So what's required of me to show up and be a performer, I don't enjoy. So no, but being in a space where, which is more, I think now the, the, the keynote speaker, the holding space for people's journey and witnessing others and ho- like being in front of people for that, which I don't call a performance. I probably would say it's presence. more. Um, it feels like presence. Totally moved into presence. And as you say, what's the permission that you have when you move into presence? It's to show up with whatever is present, Mm, right? And that's really, really challenging when you're performing and you think we do it and we don't just do it on the stage. Yeah, this is not like, this is not just an actor thing. This is a human thing. We have like all of these different masks we put on for like, oh yeah, you know, oh, now I'm in this, now I'm in this situation. I need to wear this mask because it's not socially acceptable for me to, you know, be a fucking mess of a human being. You know, so we're all just, we're all, we're all performing in some respects. Yeah, totally. I think that piece that you just spoke to, too, of presence versus performance. Yes, 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 yes. You know, it is how present are you being? Um, And when it's, when you sense you're moving into more of a performance, which perhaps in times when you did that delivery in that, in that workshop, it was like, uh, I'm going to somewhere here that I don't know where I'm going. And that brings you back to presence, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. So, but but it is a hard place to to be, you know, and it requires mm-hmm. you to um it requires you to have a level of awareness. It requires you to it's almost like a, a, a for me anyway, a consistent practice to being present and it's yeah. it, it started just setting an alarm on my phone, honestly, like just every hour to go off and where am I? How am I feeling? You know, and I would just connect to my senses. What can I smell? What can I taste? Where am I? How am I feeling? Um, whatever else the other senses are. <laughs> what am I hearing? What am yes. I seeing? <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Yes. But it was just about like bringing my energy, which was all scattered all over the place in overwhelm and overstimulus and just bringing it back into where am I right mm-hmm. now? <laughs> and over time, that that practice is actually just cultivated into or it grows into uh, life, you know, and your life becomes, you become more present to life. That doesn't mean that there are times where I am fully not present. Yes. Um, but But I can come back to it because I've practiced yeah. it so much. Totally. And that that's the aware the awareness is the key, isn't it? And I think that's 
what happened for me with the performance piece was actually had someone who loves me outside of me be aware that it wasn't fun, that I didn't look playful and that and that kind of hits home when you actually sit in the awareness and what it is that you want out of your life. So I want to be present in my life. When you say present to life, that's what I want in my relationships, in the way I engage with the world. I want there to be um, an ex- I want it to be an experience, not a destination. Mm. And I think so much of our training as an actor and showing up, it becomes more about, you know, a destination. Let's get the, let's get the great take here rather than let's really enjoy this next take. Right. And then there's also an even further externalization of it too, right? It's like, um, I remember having a conversation with an actress, uh, recently at like a, uh, someone that I just met randomly and, I was in a place of just having surrendered like everything over because I was trying to control it and cash flow was a crisis and I was just like, oh, my God, you know, ended up having hooked up to an ECG thinking I was having a heart attack and it was anxiety due to everything that I was just trying to push in my life. And I realised, hang on, none of this stuff is actually making me happy and none of it actually really matters. Anyway, I'm having this conversation yeah. with an with a, with a an actress and – she hasn't had her big break yet. Um, and I had said to her, but if you never had your big break, would you still be doing what you're doing? Because shouldn't you be doing it like yeah. not shouldn't you, but like aren't you doing it for the love of acting? Yes. And she was like, no, if I never yeah. had my big, big break, I wouldn't be doing this. And and it, it becomes like this external thing, particularly when it comes to um, musicians and well, a lot of a lot of art in general or creativeness in an art form then becomes about external success, right? So it's like I was just having a conversation with um, Nicole Gibson a few episodes ago where yeah. she was talking about um, talking to a parent who's who whose child really wanted to be a musician, and the and the mum was like, "Well, that's really hard." you know, it's not really yeah. a, a viable option for a work, you know, thing. And I, I think you're kind of wasting your time here. And Nicole had mm-hmm. said to them, said to the mother, but is she practicing every day? Does she love music? Mm-hmm. Is she playing music? Then mm-hmm. um, she is a musician. Yes. <laughs> it's not. It's not about like how many people how many other people validate that she's a musician or how many people love your music or, um, you know, how, how, how high, whether you get a Grammy or an Aria or whatever, you know, it's like, um, it's like creating for the joy of creating. And it sounds like for you, that joy maybe never even existed. Yeah. Well, because it had been from such a young age too, it was something that was just, I did. And I didn't think I knew how to do anything else. Um, and it was it was something that came easy for me. Um, but yeah, I wonder if the joy was even there. I do I do sense that being a part of people's stories and having an opportunity to engage with people and connect with people and support them to feel something other than numb was definitely um, and still is uh, a through line for me from acting to coaching because it that you can come in completely disconnected and be completely transformed and moved in a theatre or watching a film or listening to a song. And isn't that the beauty of creativity, being able to kind of like silence the mind and go directly straight to the soul and the heart? 
Um, and that's, that's my work now. I, I work with soul. I work with people's connection to their essence, to what it is that truly lights them up and what, um, what has them feel seen, what has them feel integrated, what has them feel grounded in their own bodies. And, you know, when you're speaking about that actor, I, was th- I think I used to say all the time, waiting for the break will break yeah, you. Yeah, totally. And you just feel it when you said about performance. I feel, I feel like it's people just waiting in the wings, desiring what the person out there has that they feel they will never be good enough for. Yeah. There is another piece that I I wrote down two words because, you know, I feel like there's, there's performance in the performance sense in the here I am on the stage and you're my audience and I'm going to move you. And then when I get validation of that, that makes my job complete. Right. But then there's also this piece, which I, I know from observing you and from being friends with you, um, where, where performance isn't like, okay. So the words that I wrote down was dance and movement, because mm-hmm. they are still an expression that is separate to performance. Yes. And it yes. feels like for maybe, I'm putting words in your mouth and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like maybe there, mm-hmm. there wasn't that aspect so much in the acting sense, but definitely in the, in the, or in the performance sense, but in the dance and movement sense, that's still very important to you. Yeah, totally. I think the piece that you're tapping into here is know what moves you. Mm. And no one ever asked me that in my training or in my career. I just fit into a a blonde haired, blue eyed, you know, there was a synopsis of who I am. And that's who I fit into. These are my photos. I keep those photos because that's how the length of my hair. God damn it. If I cut my hair, because then I have to get a whole new set of photos. It was fitting into Um, you know, 18 to 24, blonde hair, blue eyed, athletic figure, right? And that was who I I lived by what I was told I needed to be to get the work. Then you move into what is it that moves me? Like what you come from the inside out and you go beyond what I'm told I need to be. Who am I? Isn't that a fucking rabbit, Warren? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm still heading down there. <laughs> There's that picture of um, Alice in Wonderland. I, I share it any time I'm talking about human design with someone and they're like, oh, my God, I just found out I'm a generator or whatever. And it's a picture of like um, of Alice in Wonderland falling down and she's like waving and she's just going around and around. That's what that whole like figuring out who the fuck you are thing feels like. It's just totally. a never-ending free fall. Totally. <laughs> it's absolutely, and it's expansive. And I think that's actually the curious, like when you're a curious soul, which is what I am innately, what you've connected to with dance and movement is actually an opportunity for me to dance down that rabbit hole while waving, which actually has me feel truly connected and, and divine and expansive and open and really articulating who I am. doesn't matter when I'm in that phase. I just feel human. I feel soulful. I feel um, like I contribute. And so whenever I am feeling heady and whenever I'm feel, feeling overwhelmed or in lack or needing a validation, I will move because it moves my shit, mm. you know, 
Yeah. But I didn't know that that's what moved my shit. I ended up having a nervous breakthrough at 24, so nervous breakdown, 48 kilos. I had been moving my body four times a week in dance class, but moving it in a way that I was told harder, faster, be more, right? Be more, be more. So every time I moved, it was an opportunity to be criticised. And then after my nervous breakthrough, I started to connect with my body and my movement in a way that was in service of my healing, of my flow, of accessing myself. And any movement was okay, ugly, fast, slow, um, not, you you know what I mean? Mm. Like I could move in any shape and it was okay. Yeah, and that's like that's just true freedom, right? Like I mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know that in a dance sense, but I do know that in a voice sense. You know, I know that in a like when I get in my car and I just crank a tune and I'm singing at the top of my lungs and you yeah. know, and it's and it or yes. or or just screaming, you know, cranking up some really hardcore chick rock and just screaming out yes. some I hate the world shit you know or, or whatever you know like it really does it feels free um yeah it does and it helps us to like process and move through the the you know emotion that we're experiencing like you know we've spoken about this a lot just in our general chit chat everyday stuff it's like so yeah just like just expressing what is mm. happening, finding an expression for the feelings that you're having, finding an yep. expression for what's actually going on in your mind is like yep. freedom from the thing yes. that's keeping us trapped, which is generally our fucking mind. <laughs> totally. And we're not given the skills to express in however we want to. You know, it's always been evaluated. Our expressions become theses mm. that then get graded. And so it's, it, you know, don't say that because that's going to offend Auntie Margaret or what along the way our expression becomes in some way needing to be tailored, which is part of the performance, right? Um, just go back home to your family and see where you're still performing. Um because it'll be right there in front of you. And so I wonder, and I ask people who are listening, do you know what moves your shit? Do you have spaces that you can fully show up in and express whatever is in your heart and mind and you know it will be welcomed and it will be safe and it will be sacred um, and it will be permissive? And they, those are the spaces that I now love to move in and hold and work with because they're there's such a gift to say, hey, here's all of me. I don't know. I don't know what's here, but will you listen, you know? Yeah. And then I find that once we have, you know, like with, with in particular with my board of directors, right, it's like people who I feel seen by, truly seen. Yes. Because yes. But that also requires me not to be hiding aspects of myself, right? Totally. And and as I move more into this space of feeling safe in my full expression, whatever that is, yeah. um, allowing yeah. myself to be seen in and voicing things that I perhaps wouldn't because of the own judgment that I have about what what is, you know, about to come out of my mouth. Like when I yes. when I when I have that, when I have people who can witness me in all the ugliness and the beauty, then I feel like 
I'm not searching, I'm not craving the rest of the world to see me any longer because I'm seeing myself. Totally. And your life, your life that you're living and waking up to day in, day out is enough. You can be present in it and actually see rather than continually looking at the, which we can fall into in the self-development world, the next step, the next level, the vision. It's actually like you have deep permission then to be where you are and to relish in that and not miss it, not let that time go by because you're looking towards something different. So right. And I was just thinking about a friend of mine who wrote a post recently and it, it, and I had been pondering the same kind of idea. So I was thinking about when um, you know, when I when I travel, when I go on holidays, often what I realize is if I'm not in a good place, then I mean a holiday can be escapism for a lot of people. But I find mm-hmm. that what ends up happening is you're just you wherever you are. So so often mm-hmm. we're like, oh, I need to be by the beach, I need to have like this, I need my life to look this certain way, I need to travel, I need the fancy car, I need this, and you know, and and really what ends up happening is it's just you in different places. So so if you don't like yourself folding your fucking laundry, you're not going to love yourself while you're sitting on a beach sipping a cocktail. You might have a moment of reprieve from or mm-hmm. distraction from who you are, but you mm-hmm. are still always there. You are the only thing that is omnipresent <laughs> in your life oh. is you and your your mind. <laughs> I know. And that is it. Like that's actually it. Right. And it brings me to what I committed to for myself this year, because I did feel myself feeling like I needed to do more or be more to, um, you know, expand my business and, and, and spread my message more and, you know, know what my message is and my purpose is. I started to feel that kind of validating myself piece coming back in, creeping back in. And it was a couple of months of sitting with well, what is it that I actually want in the present moment? And the question that kept coming up for me is what would feel most nourishing right now? And so I ask myself that, what would be most nourishing? So if I'm looking at that pile of laundry and knowing it's got to be done, what would be most nourishing while I'm folding that laundry? Listening to Dare to Lead by Brene Brown and having a green tea while I'm folding that laundry, right? Or popping the screen on for the kids so I get 10 minutes of silence while I'm folding the laundry. That would feel most nourishing to me. And what I've found is I need less and I'm less attached to self-care, right? Because I'm actually caring for myself intentionally and bringing in nourishment into all of my day-to-day activities. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And often what we what we when we come back to that like honestly asking ourselves what we want, I know from just like working with so many women over the years, particularly like doing vision boarding stuff, right? So we yeah. sit around, the people rip the ma- the pictures out of the magazines. I really do it around how like just not overthinking it, having a thing like just kind of ripping out whatever stands out to you and and yes. and then just kind of sticking it down so not like overthinking oh I want this new car or oh I really want oh, yeah. you know, I really want this in my life it's not like a law of attraction tool it's a getting to know yourself tool and mm. what I find is a lot of people end up having like a picture of someone on a bike with their legs and arms Woo! 
you know, or they're holding balloons or um, or they're yes. sitting on a rock and they're they're meditating and there's just like nature everywhere and there's like, you know, and or pictures of home or, you know, and mm-hmm. these things represent um, the things that, that they want to feel. And yes. often it's like space is one of them. So... And and then you look at your life and you're like, oh, hang on, I'm trying to get like, I'm I'm trying to like work really hard so I can get in front of more eyeballs, so that I can have more clients, so that I can, uh, so that I can, so that I can, so that I can, so that I can. And it's like what you're really craving is space. Yes. <laughs> so it's in contradiction. No wonder you're not getting what you want because what you're craving, yes. what your actual soul needs, is space, not to be filled mm-hmm. up with like full client books and and 10 or 20k months and fucking whatever it's like yeah. there's there's friction there because what you're craving is very different to to what you're going after totally totally and what's beautiful is usually what you're going after you already have and it's just not acknowledging where in your life you already have it um because you wouldn't want it if you hadn't experienced it if you know what I mean so it's almost like when I think of your vision boards right now I think of like a room full of people and what they're actually doing is reflecting their own energy and their own essence back to themselves through the choices they're making and the pieces of colors and the shapes and the pictures and when they hold it up what I see and what I've experienced in vision boarding is actually you see a representation and a reflection of that person's essence mm, and it's a snapshot in time in you know like that's yes. what I love about it I've I've had so many over the years and I'm looking at one right now that I created while I was on retreat and it was all about back then it was all about like being a rebel and um you know like a mm-hmm. I don't know like there was, there was a playful element too but it was like a fuck the rules you know let's just like yes. live life large And it was representative Mm -hmm. of where I wanted to be at the time. And then the Mm. next vision board I did was about like um, more bringing in colour into my life and playing, Mm -hmm. playing, you know, and creating. Like there's actually words on there, grow, create, strike a chord. You know, there was music and art. And that represented where I was six months ago where I was really immersing myself in creativity in an artistic sense to 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 connect back to myself. And then I did one at my last retreat and it is all about home and um mm. you know and and being in my body <laughs> and music yeah. and mentoring. And it's like it's like a little snapshot of what like it's just an easy way for me to find out what's actually really important to me in a given time and space and then using totally. that as a guide and a constant reminder oh yeah that's that's what i'm working yes. towards now that's what i'm that's what i'm being right now totally and we've talked about this loads which is such a wonderful piece of what you're up to in the world and, and part of your presence and essence is that permission piece, permission to be where you are and to know that it is a stepping stone to building and it's a journey, right? And I remember when, if we're talking about from like performing to presence and from acting to coaching, I remember my mum saying to me a couple of years after I graduated from WAPA from drama school and she was sitting across from me with sort of tears in her eyes and she said, do you ever regret going to drama school? Was that what made you sick? And I looked at mum and I thought I could tell her what she wants to Mm -hmm. hear right now or I could just tell her the truth. And I said, I have no regrets. That part of me being broken 
opened up the next chapter of my life and has brought me to where I am today. And I actually really, really truthfully say that. So at any time, anyone who's listening who may be in the depth of brokenness, uh, I know it's difficult to hear it when you're in there, but each of those steps, it's just open the permission. That's all it is. Nothing else needs to be done. Just the permission to be where you are, which is vulnerable, hard, confronting, but it is deeply essential to move to the next building block and the next building block. And that's what I really sense with your vision boards is that there was a permission to express yourself fully where you were. And in doing that, you let it go and you open up space for what's next. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I, I, while you were talking, I just had this this vision of like the phoenix, you know, like, oh, my God, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've oh, burnt really? to the ground. <laughs> I yeah. want to be rebuilt into something more beautiful. Um so so yeah uh i am interested in exploring now just like the 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 uh journey from actor to coach yeah sure so i feel like my essence is is one in the same really because once i realized and connected with my coach who was amazing in canada she was just she was a coach who had done her coach training, but then was completely coaching from her own space. It, there was you couldn't even describe what the work was that she was doing, but I was attracted to that because um, it was her own, right? And I really believe that you can take whatever you've learned, but then you make it your own to be the most magnetizing and the most contributing. Um, and so I worked with her, and my initial thing with her was was I want to be engaged with joy and play again in my life I don't know what that looks like and I don't know what that feels like and so actor from the age of three right up until I think I was this was about 27 or 28 professional professionally performing knew nothing else and also had lost contact completely with what I was outside of that and what actually brings me joy in this human experience and so working with her, I engaged back into the other parts of myself that are amazing. And what actually drew me um, to stick out the acting for as long as I did wasn't just that it was all I knew, but it was that I really relish in story and I really relish in connection with other humans and getting to the heart of their truth. And there's some incredible plays and incredible movies, which I'm sure you've all seen or go back to when you want to feel a certain way. And so what I realized was coaching was a really intimate and authentic and connected way for me to continue engaging and meeting and connecting and expressing with other human beings in a really healthy landscape and a healthy environment that actually felt sustainable, nourishing, and I started to realize that those things were really important to me. I didn't know what was important to me when I was an actor. I was just doing what I thought was important to get my next break, right? And then when I started to get asked questions, powerful questions that made me go in within to find the, um, didn't need to be the right answer, just to find what I was connected to in that moment, that became a practice that I really loved to do and became it, it brought alive my curiosity and I started to see people differently and um, witness people differently and realise that I have a, a, a superpower that is that I, I've always wanted to see people, like not to have the just the, hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I've 
always, mum said, even from when I started to speak as young people, I would sit with people and and have them engage and want to talk. So um, it just felt like the next step. Once I stepped into the coaching space, I was like, this is actually what I've been yearning for. This environment feels safe for me to continue the curiosity of being human and connecting to people's story. So I just had a major like little epiphany about you <laughs> while you were sharing that story. And and because I've often wondered like what is the connection between, you know, like I like to like, I don't know, like figure out how people are led to different things and and totally. and how they – you know, how that, like, I mean, that's why I started Philosophies originally was to hear the stories behind people's success um, and success in inverted commas, because I love to hear yes. what led people to make the decisions and the choices that they have. And then, you know, and then they're, they're in this place. It's so easy to see someone in this place and forget all of the 41 years of shit that happened before they got to this place. Like, I think it's really important to you know? So true. My first launch was 400K, yeah, right? right. That's launch. it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, and and the truth is the first launch is often one person or two people and sometimes a third and the fourth and the fifth and sometimes it's no people. Like I had four launches for Radcasters that were no people, hence totally. my story about being hooked up to the ECG, you know, like having a heart attack because I was like, why isn't this shit fucking working? Anyway, um, <laughs> So the epiphany that I had around like the like what makes you such an incredible um, coach and guide for me is your ability to see the truth of who I am, not the not the performance. So it feels like um, almost that all of those years in acting maybe helped to show you what a performance looks like, so that you could see yeah. the truth of who the person is underneath the performance. Mm, so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's so beautiful. You know what comes to me when you say that is actually I always used to be intrigued about understudies, mm. right? Understudies that would, there could be a whole play and they've watched from the sidelines and they've, they've learnt the lines and they know what they're coming into and then finally the lead gets sick and they step in. And I've never really liked that character, for instance. The writing's the same, the set's the same, the director's told them where to move. But all of a sudden, the whole play shaped differently for me. And I saw something in that character I'd never seen before. And I, it used to intrigue me. I'd go, wow, that understudy really brought their essence to the stage. And so I had this ability to always appreciate that not, even though you were wearing the same costume, you were in the same performance, without your essence, then you can, people do walk away and go, I don't know what it was about that actor. I don't look, they were good. But, yeah, I'm not sure. But from good to, like, I was moved exceptional, I was totally in it, how the hell did that person portray that, is actually because they're willing to be vulnerable in the performance and bring themselves to the work. Yeah, that is so true, so true. That's the difference between a good actor and a fucking exceptional actor. And that's the vulnerable piece because it's not supported in the industry. It is not supported. I was told the, fir the first report I had in first year at drama school, I was told by my head of department in writing, I've got it in writing, my dad wants to frame it, you are too joyful and you treat drama school like a holiday camp. <laughs> hmm. So when I went into depression and had to go on antidepressants to graduate three months before I graduated, I took that report in, highlighted that area and said, I've taken on your notes. 
I've taken them very seriously and I've, uh, I've, I've put them in place. I'm now going on antidepressants and I've had a nervous breakdown. I've taken the joy in the holiday ride out. Um, so I guess what that I'm saying there is be vulnerable, bring yourself to the performance, bring all of you to the stage and then just like you did in that piece, just watch them stand for the ovation. You know, you bought your confusion, you bought your, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here, I don't know what I'm saying, and people are moved by you, not by your words, not by the performance, but by you. Yeah, by the, they, they're connecting. You know, I feel like that's why it's so important not to hide all the other aspects that could be seen negatively because people connect totally. in everyone experiences rage, everyone experiences disappointment, everyone feels resentful sometimes, everyone feels like the understudy in their life at times, you know, and 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 so people connect to that. That is truth. That is like universal truth, human to human. Yes. And yet we're yes. there, you know, like taking our selfies in like all the joyful places like nothing is real nothing is sacred anymore and yeah and I mean there is still elements of real you know don't get me wrong I've got plenty of people in my Instagram feed who are more real than that but then even even that can be kind of a curation in itself you know like when we um for me particularly getting stuck in my own stories of struggle and um yeah, and then like just constantly sharing from my struggle instead of actually seeing that life was way more than just struggle and totally. and feeling and safe in ex- that's it. That's yeah. like such a big for so many of yeah, us. Yeah, and feeling safe in the expression of joy. You know, that was a big thing for me because I had I was very comfortable in being the depressionist. That was actually what yes. <laughs> that was actually yeah. my nickname. <laughs> like that I <laughs> self self-titled nickname I was doing an interview with the Merrymaker sisters um about like cash flow and and I was like, oh look, it's another episode of the Depressionist and and the Merrymakers. But it was kind of this space that I'd fallen into because I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe in expressing joy. I didn't feel safe in like being like, hey, my life is actually good and shit. It can be good and shit at the same time. Totally, totally. And I can feel good in the shit. Like literally like the more at ease and permission and grace and embracing you have around the self-doubt that comes up, you don't spend as long there because you see it, you see it for what it is and you go, okay, this, this is going to be here. It's not going anywhere. If anyone out there is waiting for the day that they feel enough and they feel no doubt, you're going to be waiting for a really long time. You know? Forever. Because <laughs> time expands time. too, right? So so right. you're really going to be waiting forever. <laughs> you really are because you're denying your humanness too, you know. The soul has decided to come into a container, which is a limited container, and it's called your body. It's called the human experience. And so sometimes, yes, we do feel deeply frustrated about that as souls inside a body because we are expansive and infinite within a body. So it's actually what we're being asked to do in this journey is to embrace the body that soul is within, not embrace the soul. That's a given, right? What we're asked to do is embrace that we have a body that is our container and we are living contained. And although we are limited within inside this container, we are limitless within this container 
right? Yeah, and yeah, and limitless in the expression of of that. Yes, yes. Through connecting to that, we become limitless in our expression. Expression, absolutely. <sighs> well, I think that about sums it up. I think it does too. Worlds, all I of think- the world's great issues sorted. <laughs> Tick. And I think the big piece here is value your journey. Yeah, you know, value your journey, and don't let anyone else sell them your sell them their success. You know, that's what so many programs are out there at the moment. And I can know we can say this as as coaches in the world. People become successful in some way, like in quotation marks, and then they decide to sell that success or their model or what worked for them to others so they can feel shit about what's not working Mm. for them and pay them along the journey, you know? Really look at what is working for you right now and that will lead you to more of that. Right. Yeah, exactly, right? Like just being and... You don't, yeah, you don't have to be anywhere other than where you are. And this is the hard thing about, uh, well, it's not really a hard thing. It's like being a coach and a and a guide, it's like um, I find my role is just to, and your role, is just to listen and guide people back to the truth of them, you know. Yeah. Um, but even without us, it's possible to do it yourself. I've, I spent the 10 years prior to actually even thinking about getting someone to work with other than a psychologist. Um, yes. You know, I, I did quite fine on my own figuring it out and uh, and and a lot of that just came down to that practice of being present and that doesn't have to cost you a cent. Set your phone mm-hmm. alarm and just come back to yes. you. Totally, totally. And I guess I want people to come into my spaces, like you said, with it's vulnerable to be joyful. And so I, you're not broken. It's just that we're not in a society that really allows us to step fully into our joy. And that's because vulnerability is uncomfortable. So let's get vulnerable with each other. And that's why I really appreciate what you're doing here with Make Some Noise because it's an opportunity for people to um connect to their vulnerability, express their vulnerability and be witnessed in that and for all of us to kind of nod our heads and our hearts and our spirits and go, yeah. Yeah, I connect to that. I connect to that human being. I connect to their story. I connect Mm -hmm. to, you know, their struggle. I connect to their joy. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. I connect to their vulnerability. Totally. And so maybe look at those things that make you feel most vulnerable and then find a way to express yourself within that. Yeah, that doesn't mean posting yourself doing a shit on Instagram like I have <laughs> done once. It can it can, you know, it doesn't even have to be, you know, like I think I think there is a I think there is a piece around having it witnessed that is mm. important to the growth. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. And it doesn't have to be what we're talking about here is it doesn't need to be vulnerability showy, like a performance of vulnerability. Yeah, that's a different thing. <laughs> it doesn't need to be vulnerability as a marketing tool. It's actually engaging to the truth of what has you feel most vulnerable and then finding safe spaces to be within that's that. That's right. And to because for someone that. like me, talking about my shit, it ain't vulnerable, you know, like that's yeah. not vulnerability yeah. to me. What, what makes yeah. me feel vulnerable and stretched is when I – when I share an opinion that isn't necessarily the isn't necessarily going to be looked upon favorably by others, 
That makes me feel or really vulnerable. Because you're the thought provoker, it's actually, it's just going to get thoughts provoked, right? So it's it's provoking and perhaps that's where the vulnerability lies is when you actually know and this is going to, this is Yeah, and I, I don't want to cause anyone's feelings of shame because yeah. I'm so anti that. But then, but yeah. then also I feel like, Shame, shame can be a powerful mover too, right? So it's like the times where where someone has said something like um, that that I have felt a bit of a, a bit ashamed or a bit like I'm ignorant or something. They're the things where I've yes. learned the most and then been able to implement that shit to 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 make myself not necessarily be a better human, but you know what I mean, like be a more compassionate yes, or understanding true. or empathetic yeah. human. Um, but without that vun, without that. The vulnerability for me is often in the being seen as wrong, you know, as getting something wrong. Um, yeah. And so perfectionist tendencies. <laughs> perfectionist tendencies, right? So, so what like vulnerability looks different for all of us is basically what I'm saying here. It does. It absolutely does. And I think that's the piece is connecting to yourself and know you're the only person with the answers. And so look at that key question, what moves you and and go from there because shame can only live unexpressed. Yep. 100%. So find your avenue of expression. Yep. And, and when you express that shame, what happens is other people connect to you because they're experiencing the same shame. And you've just totally. lit up, you know, like it's no longer in the dark, it's lit up and there it is. And actually it's a beautiful thing, you know, mm-hmm. the connection that mm-hmm. is um, created when we both get vulnerable and we both allow ourselves to express shame. Totally. And it brings me back to that analogy you said with being in front of the room and being like confused and, you know, embarrassed maybe that you're not doing the thing right, but you did it anyway. You spoke to the crew and that that being with your shame and just expressing it in that moment is what brings people to their feet and connects with them. Totally. Well, here's a standing ovation for you. And for each of those Everybody. that have been to listen through the whole of this interview, <laughs> standing ovation for you. Everybody gets a standing ovation. On call, on call. <laughs> Thanks, Carol. And that's a wrap. Go to carlynimo.com to find ways to connect to your creativity and live life on your frequency. Until next week, make some. Oh.